Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm really stoked about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Lewis Howes, and we're going to talk about how he pivoted in his focus of his business into a new space, how he launched a podcast, and how he was able to work that into a massive book deal. If you have a desire to write a book or to pivot, you're going to love this show. By the way, if you want to reach out to me, you can email me at podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. That comes straight to my inbox. Um, As of this recording, um, this week we lost a core member of our team to cancer. Uh, Her name is Cindy King. She's our editorial director. She was the one that oversaw all of the content that we produced um, since the very beginning at Social Media Examiner, and she started out as a volunteer, worked her way up the ranks, and became uh, part of my core executive team. And she was a real true servant in every sense of the imagination, and she was working right up until the very end. We had a meeting on Friday with her. I spoke to her on Saturday, and then Tuesday, she was gone. And um, she really did make a big difference in, in this company. And the outpouring of love and, and um, all the other things that happen when you lose somebody important has been pretty amazing by our community. I will link to, uh, in the show notes, the Facebook post that we posted up in memory of Cindy and her work. But, you know, here is my discovery of the week. Taking time to connect with people is what you're going to be remembered for. Having read literally hundreds and hundreds of accounts of how Cindy has touched people's lives. It's the little things that they remembered. It's the encouraging phone call. It's the little piece of advice while sitting around a table at a conference. It's the encouragement as they're checking in to an event and saying, yeah, you should do that. You should write for us. It's all these little things that Cindy has done for so many people that she is remembered for today. Her cheery spirit, of course, her laugh. So my question to you and my question to myself is, um, well, first of all, it's the small things that people really remember. So what are you doing and what am I doing to make a difference in people's lives? And it doesn't need to be everyone. It can just be a few people. It can be that little moment where you see that someone needs a word of encouragement It could be that time where someone sends you an email and they're seeking your advice and your impulse is to just ignore it. 
It's the small things that make a difference is my discovery of the week. So who do you need to reach out to and connect to? Is it time to slow down? What can you do to make a difference in the lives of those who are around you? Because in the end, that's what you'll be remembered for. So it's sad that we've lost Cindy. We know she's with the Lord, and uh, we're very excited that her pain is over with. And uh, I just want to say, you know, thank you to all of you who had a chance to work with Cindy. Um, I know that she was blessed by you as much as you were by her. A couple of the things I want to share with you. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. With that, let's transition over to today's awesome podcast interview with Lewis House. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. I'm very excited to be joined today by Lewis House. If you don't know who Lewis is, he's the co-author of the book, Linked Working, a book that he wrote focused on LinkedIn. He also wrote the Ultimate Webinar Marketing Guide. He's got a podcast called The School of Greatness, and it's a top 100 podcast on iTunes. And he's also got a brand new book out by the same title, The School of Greatness. Lewis, welcome to the show, man. Mike, good to be connecting again, man. It's been a while. It has. Well, today we're going to talk about how, Lewis, you went from, you know, pivoting from here to there and ultimately to the podcast and to the book deal, because I think it's a story a lot of people want to know. But first, do you remember when we first met? I do. It was at, it was in Vegas. It was at Blog World. Blog World, 2009. I I don't remember who introduced you. Oh, it was... um, Coach Deb. Was it Coach Deb or was it uh, before that? Was it, um, it was in the speaker room there. And I remember, I think you were like, Maybe. I was on a white T-shirt. And yeah, you were maybe what, like nineteen or twenty then, or something like that. <laughs> the other twenty-five or twenty-six. Well, yeah. were you? The, were you okay? Yeah, and and you were really like, someday I'm going to have a New York Times bestseller. And I, I thought to myself, <laughs> like, Who is this? I'm like, seriously, dude. And this guy was really confident. And you know what? How old, how old are you now, Lewis? Thirty-two. You're thirty-two, and um, you have accomplished a lot. So yeah, you knew fun. back then you had your sights set on the future and you knew you were going to go big. And, uh, um, so let's talk about this a little bit because back when I first met you, I believe you had your book out on LinkedIn marketing. Yes. And, um, you know, you've gone from LinkedIn and then really focused on webinars and now you call yourself a lifestyle entrepreneur. So talk a little bit about the process because I know a lot of people listening right now, 
might today think of themselves as X, but tomorrow it might be Y and it might turn out to be Z. <laughs> mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about the journey, like, you know, um, yeah. and share your story with us. It's been interesting. You know, I think of, when I think of successful musicians or performers, the ones that are really successful to me are the ones that can last for 30, 40 years and always reinvent themselves every three to five years. They reinvent themselves by one, following something new and creative that they want to do, uh, but they also are able to stay in tune with what everyone else needs as well. Mm-hmm. So they're speaking both languages, one for their own desires and dreams, and then for serving other people in, in a message as well. And for me, you know, my transition has been I've, I've built a couple different businesses. I sold one that served me and other people for a while, but then it stopped serving me. I wasn't inspired by teaching well, people about- Yeah, what were you doing back then? You know, I was teaching people about how to maximize their LinkedIn profile, how to grow their business using LinkedIn, how to optimize it, connect with influencers, things like that. But, you know, talking about LinkedIn and how to put your photo in there for a couple of years after a while got a little old for me and Mm -hmm. I needed to get something new and creative and fun that filled my soul up. So although I was making money and it was, and it was good and, and it was easy after a while, it was not really fulfilling me and it's not what I wanted to do. So that transitioned into webinars because I really loved presenting. I loved teaching. I loved educating. I just didn't like doing the same topic over and over on LinkedIn. So I started to to do webinars and I'm still doing that today. It's still a passion of mine. It still serves me and serves other people. So I continue to do it. But I've added a whole new, I guess, reinvention to my, my business and my brand. I, I started a podcast about almost three years ago and I started it out of like a personal desire. It was a personal passion of mine that I wanted to continue to connect with some of the most inspiring people in the world, interview them for my selfish reasons so I could learn, but also share it with the world and build a platform around it. I had no clue where it was going to go. I just knew it was something I wanted to do and I would have done for free. And I wasn't looking for money or to get paid or sponsors in the beginning. And it really took off. You know, a lot of people connected with it. Then they started asking for more programs and online courses and coaching and events and now this book. So things have evolved from me just following the dream that I had to do something on a daily basis. So let's dig in a little bit. Um, You were one of the guys that was teaching on LinkedIn. Um, Back in the early days, you were one of the guys that spoke at our online events about LinkedIn. And um, how did you know that your time was done? What was going through your brain? And what was the process of trying to find the next thing? Because I know this is mm-hmm. something a lot of people struggle with. I think it was, you know, I had, a, I had a business partner at the time and we started doing a lot of different things that I didn't really feel like I wanted to do anymore. You know, he had a certain vision, I had a different vision and we were just, we just started to be different with what we wanted. And I realized that when we were kind of had our differences, I was just like, this isn't, I don't even want to talk about LinkedIn anymore. It's just not fun for me. Mm-hmm. So I would rather get rid of it and, and, and sell it off to him so he can keep doing what his vision was and I could figure out my next step. And it took me about a year when I was just kind of like wandering around, wandering around doing a little bit of things here and there, but I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I was in this kind of transition phase. I had moved to LA for a girl. The, the girlfriend didn't work out. It was kind of dramatic and ended uh, in a in a dramatic way for me. So I was just like, I was kind of stuck and I was in a self discovery of what's next and what do I really want? And for me, luckily I didn't need the money. I wasn't driven by money. So I was able to be driven by what fulfilled me the most and what I was inspired to create. 
and um, the podcast was that. I remember talking to – I was stuck in L.A. traffic, which I'm sure you've been in before because you're in San Diego. And I remember being out here being upset that I wasn't in New York City anymore, which is where I'd moved from. I'm being upset that I was – you know, this relationship wasn't working. Uh, being asking, you know, why is this happening to me? Why, you know, what's next for me? And then I talked to Pat Flynn and Derek Halper and just asking them for feedback. I was like, you know, what's really working in your business right now? What's really working to drive traffic, to get leads, to build your audience? And both those guys said podcast was blowing up for them. This was back in 2012. And I was like, really? Podcasting? Uh, you know, I thought this was dead back in 2008 or 2009 and no one was listening to these. And they were like, no, it's our most connected listeners and most engaged audience comes from our podcast. And I just said, interesting. This is not, not something I ever thought I would do. I thought I would do a lot more video because that's where a lot of people were heading into using YouTube and building their platforms with video. And I was testing some of that. But I was like, this seems so much easier to just record audio. And I think I could do something with this. I think I could try it. And if these guys are successful, then I could probably figure it out. Um, and that's what I did. I started once a week. And within about three months, I think it was the three and a half to four month mark, I got an email from iTunes um, that said, hey, we want to feature you on the homepage of iTunes. Can you send us a graphic? And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Okay. So I, you know, I get the graphic to them and they were like, we love what you're doing. We love the inspiration. We love the guests. We want to feature more of you. So I, I put it up there and it just blew up. Like The audience it built for me was a whole new audience I was exposed to. It wasn't just the online marketing audience world that I'd been building for years it was people from all over the world who wanted to live a better life and wanted to improve their relationships and their health and make money on the side as well. And hold, hold just, there for a second before yeah. we go too much deeper. I want to back up for a second. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you talked to Derek Halpern and you talked to yep. Pat Flynn and, and they, they say podcast is what it's at. So how long did you think about whether you should or shouldn't do a podcast and how did you decide on what the topic was going to be? It's a great question. I think I probably was about like a month and a half or two months. It was towards the end it was probably like October of 2012. Had I already started my podcast by then? I don't think you did. Because I'm mean, about I, three and a half years into this. How long have you, you been doing it? I launched at the end of January 2013. Yeah. So I think I've been at it just a smidgen longer. Just Okay. Maybe you had, yeah. Yeah, we just came up on our uh, three-year anniversary a couple months there ago. There you go. Well, yeah. So you, you, you'd already done it. So and I, and I was seeing that other people were doing it. You know, I'd seen other people were launching podcasts and John Lee Dumas had a podcast and all these people were starting to do them. And I was like, this guy, Rich Roll. And I was just like, what is this? You know, what's this deal? And I just realized it was a lot easier to do podcasts. Like before, I think I tried it back in 2009 or something. And it was just like, I had no clue how to set it up. Even with all the tutorials, I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. So it was just too hard to set up. And now it was a lot easier with all the hosting and how you can connect it to your blog, to iTunes. And I was like, okay, I can figure this out. So what about I asked, the topic? Yep. So I, I was like, you know, originally it was going to be something like the Lewis Howes show or the online business show or something. And I was just like, but I don't want to talk just about business. Like I, I knew I wanted to talk about business and, and, and do topics on it, but I didn't want it to be focused just on that. And everyone was like, well, you got to have a specific thing. You got to make it a niche. You can't just go broad with it. And I was like, I get that, I understand it, but I just felt like called to do something broader that wasn't as specific. And in a lot of ways, it probably hurts me because it's not as tailored towards a specific audience. 
But in other ways, it really comes to my advantage because I'm, I'm touching people from all walks of life, from all over the world on different topics. And for me, that's kind of the brand I want to go into is reaching a broader audience than a more narrow one anyways. But um, the, so the title came, I believe I was talking with James Wedmore actually about this. And I was like, I'm going to do a podcast. Here's my ideas. And here's the concept I'm having. And I was like, he, he was giving me feedback on ideas for, for names. I was like, should I call it the Lewis House podcast, the Lewis House show, or something like that? And I was like, I really want to have it around greatness. Like, I want it to be about greatness and, and just talk about how to be great in your life and business and everything. And he was like, okay, tell me more about that. And I was like, well, you know, for me, I, want, I love teaching. I love educating people, and I love to learn myself. And I was horrible in school. I got really bad grades. I had a, a, a tutor all through high school. I was in a special needs class because I couldn't read or write. And I'm dyslexic. And so I was like, you know, I hated school, but I love to learn. And we came up with, we were like, okay, let's talk about school. And I was like, well, what about just like the school of greatness, you know? And so it just kind of came from this discussion and then I was like, we were both like, that's pretty sweet. So I was like, all right, it's the school of greatness. That's what I'm calling it. So that's how it came about. And it was an interview show from the beginning, right? You know, it was an interview show from the beginning, but then people started saying, hey, we want more of you. We want to hear just from you. We want to hear your ideas on this, on how to get a mentor, how about your business. And so I was like, okay, I'll do a couple solo um, episodes. And people fell in love with those. So now it's a mixture. It's mostly interview, but it's a mixture. So talk about like who is the audience that you're reaching with the pod? Who's the audience you originally thought you were going to reach and who are you reaching now with the show? You know, I thought it was going to be like young uh, entrepreneurs, uh, men and women, probably like mid 20s to late 30s. Uh, kind of like you, right? Yeah, kind of like me. I was going to reach my audience and my demographic. And then... I mean, it ranges from everywhere. It's crazy. I mean, I've got college kids that listen to it. I've got moms who just play it for their kids in the car. I've got the 50-year-old guy who's, you know, wants to leave his corporate job, who's building a business, to world-class athletes that listen to it. You know, I have, I have former athletes that'll reach out to me and say, I love how you transition and built something after the game. Um, so it's people from kind of all walks of life, people who are trying to lose weight, from people to building a business to parents and everywhere. So what's the filter that you use to decide who you ought to get on your show? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. That's a good question. The filter for me is, are they inspiring me in such a big way that I'm curious about how they made it happen for themselves? Are they impacting and serving the world in a massive way? And are they a good human being? Do I believe in their mission and what they're up to? And if it kind of reaches that criteria for me, it's more of like an internal feeling, um, then I'll, I'll reach out and try to make it happen. But sometimes they might be a great fit, but it's like I just had someone talk about the exact same topic, so I may postpone them for a while. But if they inspire me and serve the world in a big way and are making changes in the world, then it's pretty, it's pretty fun for me to get them on. Well, we didn't we didn't go into the fact that you are an athlete and you're a former um, pro athlete. And are a lot of the guys on the show athletes, or are they are they entrepreneurs and athletes? You know, it ranges. I mean, I've probably had maybe a dozen athletes out of the almost two hundred interviews I've done. I've probably had maybe fifteen. Wow. Um, but a lot of 
successful business people, a lot of New York Times bestselling authors, uh, a lot of, you know, there's some doctors, scientists, there's um, humanitarians, there's people from all ranges, all walks of life. So tell us about, like, how often do you publish the show? The first year I committed to doing one a week uh, because that's just what other people said I should do. So I was like, okay, I'll just try this out once a week. And then the second year, people said, we want more. You know, I listen to your show on Monday, and then the rest of the week, I, can't, I don't listen to you. I have to go listen to someone else. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, let me do two a week. But that was a lot of work, and, and I committed to it. Just because I've got my own business, I have other things going on. It's not like a full-time thing. And then people said, we want more after the second year. So I said, okay, I'm going to do two a week, plus I'm going to add. So I do Monday, Wednesday, and then on Friday, I'll add a little five-minute inspiration. I wanted to do more of just kind of like and that's hearing, you, that's you telling them just just me just kind of like here's a message from the week to get you into the weekend hmm. and um, kind of like a little you know Friday inspiration have a great one and it's all, I always try to find something thought provoking or interesting or extend on a quote that I'm really inspired by or a message or whatever I'm feeling from that week I try to just share with my audience on how to overcome something or how to get to the next level. When did you when did you realize that you might be onto something here with this podcast? I think it was when a couple of things. When um, the first one was when iTunes reached out to me within a few months. Right. I was I was like, okay, if they're reaching out to me, not even me reaching out to them, then that's something. Then um, when I got Tony Robbins on, it was uh, it just took it like literally doubled my traffic. Wow. I'm, I mean, and it I never was, went back. It never went back. It kept growing. Wow. And um, if I was doing, I think it went from like 350,000 downloads a month to like 650,000 downloads after that month I had Tony on. Wow. And um, I, I don't know why that happened. I think it's because I got it featured. It was like the trifecta. I got it featured on iTunes homepage for that episode. I had, it was an incredible interview. I did more research on that interview than I did for probably 20 guests combined. I was researching for six weeks all the other interviews he was doing to figure out what was missing from these other interviews to make this one great. And all the right people saw it. So I recorded, this was the first episode that I did on video because I was like, I got to get this videotaped if I'm going to be doing it with him in person live. I got it on video and it was like the right influencers saw it. It didn't get as big. It probably maybe got like a hundred thousand views on the on the YouTube video, but it was like the right people saw it and the right people shared it, which made it really blow up. And I got so many people following me and emailing me after that who were brand new to the podcast. So I think that was a big win. It was like getting some key people on and them and then he shared it on his Facebook and Twitter and everywhere, which blew it up even more. So it was kind of like that trifecta of getting the right guest getting it featured on iTunes and then them featuring it to their audience. So um, you build a successful podcast. You've got 600 some thousand downloads a month, about 800,000, 800,000, 800,000 now downloads a month. And you're publishing three days a week still. Is that correct? Yes. Still three days a week. So um, at what point did the book opportunity present itself? Talk about that. You know, for for years before I started the podcast, I had a vision of this book that I wanted to write. It was after I read The 4-Hour Workweek. I was on my sister's couch in a full-arm cast in the Christmas of 2007 going into 2008. I, 
I got one present that, that Christmas from my brother, and it was the book. It was the four-hour work week. I read it in three days, and for me, as a really challenged reader, that was extremely fast. It blew my mind about what was possible for my life. That was the catalyst for seeing that I could actually be an entrepreneur. I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was or how to make money from nothing, from an idea. And that book gave me the tools and the resources to take some action over the next two years, not make any money, but eventually figure it out to what I'm doing today. So I owe a lot of my results and success to that being the catalyst and the, the tool that helped me get to where I'm at. Have you met Tim yet? And to oh, yeah, yeah. So, my, you know, so right when I finish this book, I close it down and I have this dream, this vision. I'm like, okay, one day I'm going to become really close with Tim Ferriss. Whoever his agent is, is going to be my agent. I don't know who the agent for the book was, but I was like, whoever did this book, it blew it up and he has to be my agent. And one day I'm going to write a book that creates possibilities in the minds of millions of people and helps them achieve greatness in their life the way this book has done it for me and so many other people. So that was my vision. I had three visions. This is eight years ago. And um, I, two years later, I became really close with Tim Ferriss. You know, I've had him on my podcast three times. We've done a lot of stuff together. Uh, he had me speak at his event a few years back. And then I met, I stalked his agent, Steve Hanselman. I stalked him. I found out who he was. Somehow, I think like Tim maybe mentioned him in a blog post or something, and then I stalked him on Facebook, and I was commenting on everything. I was emailing him years before I was even doing back in like 2009, when I probably when I met you, and um, I was like, you know, I would love to write a book, and I'd love for you to be my agent. And he just kind of like nicely blew me off. He was like, well, I only have a limited amount of clients, and you know, let's reconnect in a few years, type of thing, because I was just starting out. And I literally followed up with him every six months, would email him or call him and just say, hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm up to creating. And it it wasn't until I got to, he heard me speak on stage at Tim's event about what I was doing. And he reached out to me afterwards. He said, I think it's time we do a book together. And so, you know, a year passes and we're just kind of just talking about ideas. He wanted me to do a business book, like a book on how to essentially like a a uh, four-hour work week 2.0 type of book from me. And I wrote a whole proposal about this book on how to be a lifestyle entrepreneur and generate seven figures in your business and all these other things. I spent like nine months writing this proposal. And then he's like, perfect. It's ready. It's done. I'm about to go shop it. And I just said, you know what? Something doesn't feel right. Like this isn't the book I want to put out right now. I feel like I could do that book anytime, but it's not inspiring to me right now to talk about this. And I was so scared to tell him that because I didn't want him to be mad about all the work that he had done to edit this thing over the months and brainstorming. But he said, okay, if you want to shelve it. And he was like, what's the book you want to write about? And I was like, I want to write about greatness. And I want to write about how to take your life to the next level. And I know that's broad. And I know it's not as uh, you know defined with these specific things about making money or something. But this is what's speaking to me right now. And he said, I completely understand. Let's do it. So I spent another seven months writing a whole new proposal about a 90-page book proposal with a full chapter and you know all these different things happening. And, um, and then we sold the book. A year ago, we sold the book. 
Um, we went to go shop it around to it. You want me to continue to tell his story? Yeah, keep going. Okay. <laughs> so, so he's like, perfect. This is a great looking proposal. You know, I had Tim Ferriss look it over. I had a bunch of other people look it over. And, um, and I had studied book marketing and proposals for like the last year and a half. So I, I knew what needed to be in there. I knew it was going to look great, how to position it. And this was like, you know, an art form for me. So uh, he was like, perfect. Let's go to New York. We're going to do a three-day, essentially, uh, tour to these publishers. I'm going to send it out to them. We're going to see who wants to have meetings with you. He said, typically, if I send it out to, you know, 20 people, 20 publishers, typically half will take meetings. So 10 of publishers will meet with you. And then from the 10 people that meet with you, typically half of them will show interest and be open to bidding for the book. And then we'll choose one of them. And I was like, okay, cool. So we go there. And I think we have, I don't know, seven or eight meetings set up. And I am on a roll. I mean, I think I was born to do these meetings, these pitch meetings, <laughs> because I literally just felt like, throw me into any situation, I felt like I was able to handle anything. I mean, some of the publishers were like old, like 60-year-old cranky Jewish men who were just like wanting me to like dance like a monkey on the table for them. And uh, other people were like all women who were just excited. So... I got to really see how I was able to connect with people and meet them where they were at, at every different stop along the way. And it was really cool to see how to just, you know, move and flow with these different personalities who are looking for different things. And um, at the end of the day, I'm heading back to, we finished these meetings, three days. Steve was like, this is incredible. I've never experienced a client an author who performed as well as you because almost every one of these publishers said at the end of the meeting, you know, we shouldn't say this, but this is a book we really want. We really want to get this. So whatever it takes, we're willing to do it. And he goes, you know, they usually don't show their cards like that. They're usually kind of secretive because they don't want you to bid them up high. And he was like, you couldn't have done this any better. And I was like, well, it's a good thing I've been preparing this for like seven years because <laughs> it paid off. Um, and, and he goes, okay, cool. So I'm going to call them all. This was like on a Thursday night we finish. I'm going back to Los Angeles on the plane Friday morning. So he goes, I'm going to call them all Friday morning to let them know what we're going to open at for the auction on Monday. So I'm going to let them think about it over the weekend. Then we're going to open an auction at a starting bid. And then they're all going to bid against the book. And I was like, cool. So I'm at the airport I'm like getting on the plane. He's like calling me after he talks to each one of them to give me an update. He was like, you know, we're going to – I asked the first person that we're going to start it at $250,000 opening bid and they, did, they were like, absolutely, that works. I talked to a couple other people. They said, absolutely, that's fine. And then he said, I got an email from two different publishers that said they're going to give a preempt offer right now. And so that means if someone gives a preempt offer for, the who, for who hasn't written a book yet, that they're essentially going to make an offer that's bigger up front because they don't want it to go to auction because they don't want it to be an even bigger price that they have to pay for later. So he said, you know, get ready. You're getting an offer right now. And I'm, I'm boarding the plane at this point. And uh, he sends me an email that's an offer from from. My, my publisher that I chose, it's Rodale, and, and Penguin was going to make an offer as well. And uh, he sent me this offer for a specific amount. And I was like, I looked over the offer. The, literally, like, we're five minutes away from taking off, and I've got my like, phone up, and I'm reading through the documents and everything they're offering. 
And I was like, man, this looks really great. Like, I really want to go with them. Should I go with it or should I wait for the auction and maybe make more money? And uh, I told him, I was like, you know what? This is great. This is the publisher I actually want. So I'm glad they're coming after me. I was like, tell them to make it $50,000 more than this offer and to throw in a couple other guarantees. And they've got a deal. And he goes, okay, I'll call them right now. And uh, I'll email you. And I was like, I'll be up in the air in like 30 minutes and I'll check my email to see what happened. And so I'm up in the air. I'm like, this is the longest 30-minute wait of my life, right? I'm like, what's going to happen? And I open up the GoGo in-flight account or whatever it is and see right at the top of my email, congratulations, the School of Greatness uh, has been bought or something like that um, through Rodale, my publisher, for the offer that I was looking for and everything I wanted. And it was like the longest, most exciting six-hour ride back to uh, Los Angeles ever. So it was a fun journey. Congratulations, man. Thank you. What a great story. I wasn't going to cut you off on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. So um, first of all, congrats. I mean, like I said, congratulations. Huge kudos to you. Um, what, what kind of advice do you want to give? I mean, I can already think of lots of things you know, you've obviously been working at this for a very, very long time, but I know there's plenty of people listening right now that want to take their podcast or their blog or whatever they've got a huge following in and, and figure out how to get it into a book deal. Yeah. What kind of advice do you want to give to the next Lewis house who's listening right now? Hmm. I would say that you really want to figure out why you want to have a book and you want to get clear on that vision. You don't want to just have a book just to say, oh, I want to do a book because it sounds cool. And I don't know. You want to get clear on like a deeper why, on how it's going to serve you, your business, your brand, but also other people. And it's a lot of work. You know, it takes a lot of time and energy if you want to do it right. And I think you want to make sure you don't put something out there that's you know, it's for life. A book you put out there, you've you put out a book, and it's for life. You really want to make sure that it's, it speaks your language, that you're going to be excited to promote it. You know, if I did this business book, I probably would have been excited, but it might have been dead, you know, for me after six to 12 months. But the book I'm writing now, it's like, I want to I continue to promote this because these are timeless principles for me that I want to talk about for a long time. And it's something I can get behind. I would also say that you should really do your research and prepare for how much energy and work it's going to take to put the book out in a major way. So again, you could create something and just throw up a book like I did. I did two self-published books and they were for specific reasons. They were just to build my expertise and credibility in specific topics. And that's completely cool as well. But if you're going to do a big book with a publisher, I think you really want to get clear on how it's going to serve you long-term. Well, some of the things that I hear from what your story is, is that you had this vision and focus for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And you became a student of the process. You decided to study and learn everything you could about the book industry. Yes. You were very targeted about who you wanted to work with. Uh, and you made sure you built those relationships. I mean, yep. I, I guess, you know, that's the key thing, really, isn't it, Lewis? I mean, your secret sauce has that's been it. the relationships that you built, isn't it? That's it. That's it. I mean, you know, it's it's the way I'm, you know, for three years, the podcast is really a feeder to build more relationships for me to to connect with bigger, more inspiring influencers who are impacting the world and where for three years I was able to give to them to sell, to help them promote their books, to promote their programs, whatever they're doing and not ask for anything until one moment when I have a book 
and ask them to promote me in return. And when I can get a couple hundred major influencers to have me on their TV show, their press, their podcast like this or their YouTube show or whatever, and I can get in front of those audiences around one book, for me, that's been part of the strategy all along as well. Well, um, talk a little bit about the book. Who's the book for and what will people discover if they get a copy of it? (laughs) Yeah, the book is for anyone looking to take any part of their life, business, health, or relationships to a different level, to the next level for them. And it's it's a broader audience. So I can't say it's specifically for, you know, a 35-year-old guy or something. It's for uh the the stay-at-home mom who wants to build something on the side and have a deeper relationship with her kids and her husband, and it's for the the athlete who's retired who's figuring out the next stage and transition and wants to get to that next step, it's for the entrepreneur who is stuck at uh, you know sixty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars a year that they're making that don't know how to break through, and it's the eight principles of greatness on how to get to that next level in any area of your life. Now, is it stories of others that have been successful? Yes. Is it? I mean, how, yeah, talk a little bit about how you made the book. Yeah, so each chapter, I wanted to break it down, kind of like the way. I would be, I would like it, and kind of also the way I live my life. So the, there's four parts to every chapter, and eight chapters, eight principles. Um, each chapter starts with a grounding, and I do that for a reason. It's about a paragraph that I tell people and I ground people for what's to come and what they're about to learn. And that's what I do every day in my life. I ground myself every morning before every podcast interview. I ground myself to get clear on what I'm about to do and what I want to create from that experience. So I do that in the beginning. Then this, the, the chapter itself is inspiring stories from guests I've had on the podcast about how they back up a specific principle of greatness. And I also intertwine parts of my examples from sports to building businesses to the relationships I've built. So I use myself as kind of a backup to each point and story as well. Then uh, afterwards, we have a list of exercises. So people, you know, it's great to be inspired and hear these stories, but if there's no actual actionable exercise to show you how to apply this to your life, it's kind of pointless. So I give people the tools and strategies that I've used from playing sports to building a business and how it works for me and others with these exercises. Then I give them the fourth thing, which is a coaching tip to take action. So each chapter has those four elements. Awesome. Um, Lewis, where can people pick up a copy of your book, The School of Greatness, and, and where can they discover more about you? It's in every Barnes & Noble in the country in the United States, but you can go to Amazon.com. You can go to lewishouse.com slash book or just type in The School of Greatness online and it'll come up. Well, Lewis, uh, it's been wonderful um, to be your friend, to watch you along this journey and to see you know um, this next chapter unfolding. I wish you all the best and I want to say thank you for joining us today. I appreciate it. And I just want to say thank you for everything you've created because you've been an inspiration to so many, including myself, and for giving so many people an opportunity to share their voice through your site, through the videos you do, the podcast. I mean, you, I was one of the first video interviews you did, I remember for your site and you create such a great platform for so many people. So it really means a lot that you allow me and everyone else to share. Lewis, thank you. I appreciate those kind words and thanks for joining us today. Thank you. 
Well, I hope you got a lot out of today's interview. If there was anything that we mentioned, don't worry. We take all the notes for you. You can find those notes at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 169. That stands for episode 169. Also, don't ever miss a future episode of this podcast. Hit that subscribe button on your podcast player of choice. We've got amazing content coming to you in the future. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.